Attention, everybody, madams and Miss Waz and Mark. What? If you would do me the obligation of having your honor heretofore listening to our podcast, hence. What are you talking about, Alan? Um, big podcast starting right now. Hey everybody, and welcome back to another new episode of Live from Pawnee. I'm Alan, and with me as always is my co-host, Mark. Mark, how are you on this terrific day? Hey, Alan, I'm doing great, buddy. It's a sunny day. It was a beautiful drive this morning into LFP Worldwide Headquarters. I just, I wish my walk into the office wasn't quite so long. Um, What do you mean, Mark? I'm a little confused. We've, you know, we're talent here and we are the talent as a matter of fact on at least on this show and you got those two spaces basically right by the door i know those right by the front door there well okay here's the deal i got i got yelled at earlier this week by the upper brass yes apparently the little stunt i pulled when we scored harvest festival didn't go unnoticed apparently <clears throat> quarter points are frowned at. So oh my God. they, uh, they took away my parking spot. So, <laughs> well, Mark, uh, you know what? I would normally be really totally and completely on your side, mm-hmm. except when I'm not. And mm-hmm. today I'm not because quarter points are baloney. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, baloney or not. It's yeah, it's baloney. I, I have, I have to back them up on that, but you know who they, what makes me even more mad. What's that? You know who they gave my, my spot to? No, who? Constantine. <laughs> that guy. That's right. Yeah. They gave it to you. Didn't they? That's why he's so uppity today. I, I knew something was up with him. I couldn't figure out what it was. And now I know. He, he look, look at him stride around here. Like he's I, like cock of the walk. I, he's the cock of the damn walk. I know. You know, to, to change the we topic. We at least agree on one thing. To, to change topic because this is making yeah. me uncomfortable now. Yeah. Um, I noticed that you're, what's up with you, man? You're a little dressed up today. You're yeah. wearing your Colts jersey. Yeah. Number 87, and, Reggie Wayne. And you seem to be carrying an armful of. I don't know what those are. What is it? What are you carrying? Well, so Andy and April invited me to their dinner party, mm. and, uh, which I think is the episode we're doing this week. Ah. And uh, they asked me to bring a few things. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got the summer sausage here. Mm-hmm. That's what this is. Of course. Uh, uh, Yahtzee. I got Yahtzee. <laughs> Yahtzee. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Monopoly, because everybody loves playing Monopoly at a party. Yup. Yeah. And a PS3. A PS3? That's not the most recent. Why a PS3? Mark, it's 2011. Oh, Naturally. My bad. Okay. Yep. That makes sense now. So there you go. Nice. Anyway, as we've already alluded to today, we're covering (laughs) episode nine of season three, Andy and April's fancy party. Absolutely. Oh, I can't wait. This is a good one, man. Do you think, I I don't know what's going to happen. You think it's just a party? I think that it's just a party because I don't like to read anything into anything. And that way I'm perpetually surprised. You know what, Mark? I like that. Mm-hmm. That would explain that look on your face all the time. It, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Again, we're covering Andy and April's Fancy Party, which first aired on April 14th, 2011. We get a 2120 runtime. And Mark, did you know that with this episode, or really, frankly, after the last episode, we're well more than halfway through our season. 
season three here. I did know that. Yeah, yeah. I think there's 16, 16 episodes in season three. Kind yeah. of an odd amount. It's a weird number. Mm-hmm. It's like a, not like a we're not sure you're going to make it number necessarily. I'd say that'd be an eight or a 10. Right. But especially these days. But back in 2011, you know, it was an interesting number to get after a 24 well, and and not only that, but as we alluded to with Harvest Festival, we kind of had an arc that came to a zenith and it wasn't even quite halfway through the season, which is just a little extra different. Yeah. And we don't know what's going to happen here in the, the second half of the season necessarily. But we're, we're sitting here about five eighths of the way through. And we've all I can tell you today is we've got another big episode to cover. Yes, we certainly do. Let's do it, man. All right. Well, today's episode was directed by Michael Trem. He's a cinematographer, producer, director. Um, you know, his name's on this show and, and quite a few others. He directed four of these episodes. This is the first of them. But he was a director of photography on 33 episodes of Parks and Recreation. So oh, wow. definitely a fixture around the set. Yeah. And then today's episode was written by Katie Deppold. Um, Katie, we've talked about her many times yep. and uh, her last episode we covered was Indianapolis. So not that long ago. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I recently watched uh, Ghostbusters from 2016. It was very good. That's right. Yeah. yeah. You told me that. You told me you liked it. Yep. Yeah. Well, excellent. Well, a couple of great folks on the show today. Mark, should we get into the synopsises? Let's get into the synopsises. Let's do it. That's the way we do. Um, so I broke this down into two stories. I'm sorry. What is that? Oh, no, I don't like that sound. It often means I'm wrong. I've found. Um, I mean, yes, but, you know, you're usually wrong in the other direction. I know. I had three. I know. But that doesn't mean I'm right and you're wrong necessarily. Yeah, it does. So <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll see how this goes. I, I think I see. I I, I'll pay the editor to be right. That's all I'm saying. I think I know where you're going to go on this. Yeah, so okay, fair enough. I'll give my shtick and then we'll see where I'm where I'm wrong. Okay. All right. So I have the A story. I called it. The Ballad of Andy and April. I like it. Andy and April invite everyone to their dinner party at Andy's bandmate Burley's place. That's hard to say because that's where Andy's living, of course. Uh, At the party, Leslie discovers Andy and April plan to surprise everyone by getting married that night. Leslie spends most of the party trying to dissuade them since they really haven't been dating that long. And beyond that, um, they have no place to live. Ron tells Leslie that it's not his place or hers to interfere with their decision. But Leslie just can't seem to let it go. She plans to object during the ceremony and even resorts to calling Anne to help her out. What will happen? Does everyone end up bringing their assigned items? Who ends up being Andy's best man? Will Leslie end up objecting to the marriage? Stay tuned to find out. Dot, dot, dot. Very nice. All right. So the B story here I have because I love alliteration. Awkward Anne. Anne goes to Eagleton to to attend a a singles night at a bar, but once she gets there, is extremely uncomfortable. She runs into Donna, who first views Anne as competition, but after witnessing Anne crash and burn, tries to help by offering some advice. Well, to complicate matters, as we alluded to in the A story, halfway through the night, Anne receives a call from Leslie telling her about Andy and April about to be married. How will this turn out? Can Anne stop acting so awkwardly? Will Donna get Anne to take her advice? Does Anne leave to go assist Leslie? Stick around. All will be revealed. Dot, dot, dot. Very nice. Yeah. Now, I'm going to take a guess and say that you had a third story as uh, having to do with the best man. Um, No. Uh, About Ben? Yes. Interesting. 
I just didn't feel like there's enough meat to that. I'd say, you know, it's one of those where, you know, sometimes when we waffle between, uh, you know, a half point score and the next score up and we follow the rules, Mark, and we don't do quarter points and lose our parking spaces. Oh, man. It's a construct, right? we got to live within the rules we set for ourselves. Otherwise, yeah. we're just we're just animals. Chaos will will reign the day and oh, anarchy and cats and dogs and all kinds of stuff. That's great. I mean, yes, don't don't do that one. So, so I broke this rule. Um, <laughs> I, I think I invented the meat on the bone rule, but I kind of said, yeah, I feel like it's, it's a little bit of a storyline in that, you know, I like the dynamic that happens between him and Leslie in the arc of this one episode yeah. over this specific topic. So yeah. I gave it, I gave it the light of day, I guess. Yeah. And you know, I, I honestly was tempted to do that too, because it has some, let's say some ramifications to yeah. the rest of the series. It sure um, does. So, all right. So it's plot relevant. That's what you're saying. <laughs> it's plot relevant. That's right. It's at least subplot relevant. Fair enough. Yeah. All right, Mark. Well, very nice job. I think, you know, that if you add in mine, you know, I said Ben considers Chris's offer to work in Pawnee against his other options of going back on the road for his boss in Indy. Right. right? So that's really that storyline. And I, that's going to happen. What will happen? Tune in to see. <laughs> I don't even need to be here. There you go. So you like it? So now we're complete. I do. All right, Mark. Well, nice job on them. Their uh, synopsises. Well, let's do our AKAs real quick. All right. So the AKAs, I did one for each of the two. I did two AKAs. Um, <laughs> so sorry. That's all right. I only did one. Oh, God. So it's just, you're just, you're like chaotic this morning. You I, are mercurial. I am. Oh, my gosh. That's what that's what my wife calls me. Oh, my gosh. So the first one I have is um, from what I had is the B story where, you know, awkward Anne. And, and Donna is trying to get an idea of just how poor the state of the union is with Anne. And she says to her. That was the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. Did you grow up in the woods? Are you Nell from the movie Nell? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, that's great. And then my uh, I suppose my winner, a.k.a. is from uh, from my my man crush, Ron, when he he gets a little irritated uh, at, uh, at Chris's uh choice of uh, bringing food uh, to the party. <laughs> and he's so angry he brings a veggie loaf instead of cakes, a slight spoiler. And he says, yeah. so not only does this thing exist, but now you have deprived everyone of cake. And he's mad. He's just so mad. Walk it off, Ron. Oh, Walk it I off. Love it. Love it. Love it. So What'd you good. have? Mark, I, I felt like, you know, because the A story is the A story. And I, just for the sake of brevity and to get into the nuts and bolts of the show today, I was yep. only going to do one. All right. And it's so brilliant. It's a Ben line when he reacts to the fact that they're getting married. And he says, my Brita filter is older than their relationship. <laughs> so I thought that was a good one. So. I thought you were going to follow that up with, should I change my Brita filter? Should I change my Brita filter? <laughs> yeah. It depends on how often you use it. Uh, there's really good writing on the show. I didn't know if you knew that, There Mark. really is, yeah. Yeah. All right, Mark, let's get into this episode breakdown. All right, let's break it down, break it down. Well, we start out with a cold open, as we always do. This one is just a little bit over a minute, 61 seconds. It's definitely, uh, or no, I guess it's not plot relevant in this case, but it's very, very funny. Mark, um, this is one of my favorite cold opens of all time. Oh, me too, without a shadow of a doubt. And you know what the most pleasant surprise for me was? I, You know how there are some things that for whatever reason you don't remember and others you do. Oh, sure. I had blocked this out and I was <laughs> howling. So just like Tom. Oh my gosh. Yeah. 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 
except in a good way. Yeah. All right. So what we're talking about, uh, our loyal podcast viewers. So we start out in the city hall. We're in a conference room and Ben is in there with the gang and he's reviewing various items. And all of a sudden we hear like we hear a little grunt of pain from Ron <laughs> and they're like, dude, are you OK? Eh, a little tooth pain. No, no worries. And they try to go on. But again, you hear and they're like, dude, do you need to go to the dentist? And Ron says, oh, I don't like Dennis. Just a second. Takes out pliers from his pocket. And then they start out slow and they're like, hey, hey, what no. what, what are you what are you doing? No. No, Ron. And he takes the pliers. He reaches into his mouth. Now they're getting a little frantic. No, 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 no. He grabs hold of his tooth. No, 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 no. April is looking at him in utter fascination at this point. And he yanks his tooth out and everybody loses their minds. They're screaming. They're cursing. They're running out of the room in shock. Where the hell did Ben run off to? Oh, he's he just had to be away. He's in Indianapolis by now. Oh, yeah. I mean, he like. Yeah, he was faster than Tom is. And we've seen how fast he can be like a jackrabbit. Oh, my gosh. And so, yeah, they, the only ones left in the room after this debacle yeah. are Ron, who seems surprised. Like, where did everyone go? Yeah. Weren't we talking about recycling? Leslie, who's looking at Ron sternly like he's crazy. And Tom, who's passed out on the floor. Uh. Now, we do get a little bit of an explanation from the very final talking head where Ron says, you know, dentist pulled the tooth out yesterday, but it's always <laughs> a good idea to demonstrate to your coworkers that you're capable of withstanding a tremendous amount of pain. <laughs> Plus, it's always fun to see Tom faint. Panda Tom on the floor. <laughs> so uh, funny. So good. Cue the music. Cue the music. I do. I, I We would, of course, have played that for you, but it's one of those things that is at least 73% visual it's, mark. Yeah, right, right. And my God, it's so funny. I highly recommend you jump over to Peacock or your DVDs, which, of course, you've gone out and bought since, you know, you want to follow along at home yep. and watch that cold open. It's on YouTube as well. Yep. Yep. Nice. Well, Mark, from there, we come back, we're in the bullpen at the Parks Department, and Andy and April walk in. Well, one of them walks in, the other one, I think, technically rolls in, being pulled by the other. (laughs) And they're excited to share with almost everyone that they're having a dinner party. That's right. That's right. So they, Andy and April, enter the bullpen or roll in, and they they announce to the gang they're having a dinner party that night at 7 p.m., and they give invitations to everyone even Jerry, after some cajoling by Andy, um, since they don't have a whole lot, uh, the invitations that they give out include requests for stuff that each person should bring, e.g. silverware or <laughs> cook steak uh, to the gang's dismay. However, Leslie is adamant that they all go to show their support. It says um, during the dialogue there, April mentions that and Andy mentioned that it's uh, it, it combines two of their favorite things. Yep. Dinners and parties. Yep. It's like if you could have an Xbox pancake. It's like if you could have an Xbox pancake. Band name called it. <laughs> Damn it. All right. I, should, I need to be faster. I get it. All right, all right. I was surprised Andy didn't jump on that fumble. I know. Tom is a little reluctant to go on account of there is apparently a boys sale at Dillard's today. <laughs> <laughs> we get a Dillard's around here and that made me laugh so hard. Oh, my goodness. Well, you know, they're young and they're relu- in love is what Leslie says to Ron, who says, this is ridiculous. That's right. Yeah. 
Well, following Leslie's edicts, we're out in the hallway and Leslie and Ben are checking in with each other. And we learn that Ben has been assigned to basically bring a small 3D capable movie theater to the party. <laughs> yeah, he's been given a very challenging list of things to bring so. in his invitation. A, a lot involving the movie Avatar, which being 3D yeah. is challenging because on account of you know TV and glasses and you know the whole shebang. <laughs> um, so yeah, like you said, Leslie walks up to Ben in the hallway to ask him if he's going and they they kind of banter about all the items he's bringing rhubarb rhubarb and then ben tells leslie hey i was actually going to come up to you to get some advice well apparently ben's boss in indianapolis wants him back on the road in a week but chris who is now the acting city manager offered ben a job to stay in pawnee and work for him and leslie seems a, a, a bit surprised by this and when asked her thoughts by ben it seems like she waffles a bit, no pun intended, <laughs> before telling Ben that he should make a pros and cons list. Because, you know, that sounds like a very, uh, you know, responsible thing to do. And, you know, doesn't it all get into emotions or anything? Well, you know, I leave it to overprepared Leslie to have a pros and cons list approach to this, right? Yeah. But it's actually not that bad of an idea. But and I think especially if she didn't care at all or have an opinion uh, and, and just wanted to help him figure it out for himself. I think we can kind of see here. She's got a little bit of an opinion. Well, you know, I, I made a note to myself. I think Amy Poehler in this scene particularly does a good job of of showing subtle interest in Ben or maybe not yeah. so subtle while trying to kind of maintain her cool. Yeah. She, you can tell that that's the shtick here, right? She's, yes. She doesn't want to come off overly excited about getting him to stay. Right. She's trying to play it cool. And she offers, hey, well, this is a great city. You know, it's definitely the best city in Indiana. Yep. Uh, probably America. Yep. Possibly the world. Yep. So it's hard to argue against that. It really is. I couldn't. So they part ways, Mark, and it's a little bit awkward. And, you know, following that awkward departure, we arrive at my favorite place to go on a Thursday night. It's singles night at Mezzi, a club in Eagleton. Hmm. And awkward is just getting started and clearly not confined to City Hall. Well, first of all, you know, your better half is going to be interested that that's your favorite place to go. We'll talk about that later. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah, yeah, we have the we leave the awkward departure from Ben to join Anne's awkward arrival at this place, because, you know, at first you think, well, Anne's single. So this kind of makes sense. I mean, it is Eagleton. But, you know, <laughs> it, it, it's singles night, so whatever. But it, it becomes very clear from the get go that she's excited, but very nervous. And she seems awkward about the whole thing. As a matter of fact, this, it, it, this cracked me up and I didn't expect it to. She's talking to the woman who gives her her name tag. Oh, yeah. And she's, she's basically like, you know, so how does this work? You know, and she, the woman's just basically saying, OK, just fill out your name tag and you're all set. And so obviously – Thoughts are racing through Anne's head yeah. and she says, well, so like, how, how does this work? Do I go up to anyone and just talk to him or do I want to talk to me? And, and the lady just simply <laughs> says, is this is brilliant. Are you asking me how to flirt with men? <laughs> All right. Uh, well, Mark, you know, there, there's the Myers-Briggs scale and all these other personality assessments. Uh, uh, you and I took the DISC scale. Yeah, that's while, right. You know, I, I think it's fair to say you came in as what a high C probably. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I felt for you in this moment because mm. she just wants to understand how it works. That's right. That's right. I need some bullet points, damn it. <laughs> and yet she clearly has forgotten how to flirt with men. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Uh, 
Well, while we wait to see how things turn out for Anne and if they will get any less awkward, we jump over to Burley's house where, you know, the party is starting to get going. And uh, it's the one I'm obviously dressed up for here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just getting underway. Uh, wait, am I late? <laughs> to the party? Oh. boom. I like what you did. Thank you, everybody. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, we, we see an outside shot of Burley's house and it looks like people are arriving. It's probably, you know, 7 p.m. or a little bit after, I'm guessing. And then we have, you know, an inside shot of the people that have already arrived, which include at this point Ron and Jerry and Tom for sure. And they're all kind of standing around. They're talking about Jerry's party shirt. So funny. Uh, Leslie comes up to them and warns them about April's friend, Oren. He's very intense <laughs> and weird. And you, you, it, yikes. Um, and then shortly after that, Chris arrives and it, I, we kind of alluded to this. He was supposed to bring cake and instead he decides to bring a veggie loaf. And Ron gets very, very angry <laughs> at this. Not only does this thing exist, but now you have deprived everyone else of cake. <laughs> Well, Mark, he had it sweetened with fruit reduction. It sounds delicious. Oh, yikes and a half. Uh-uh. And so <laughs> I, I, there are two notes about this I wanted to make. First of all, is this scene and the scene before this are the two locations that we're going to be bouncing back and forth yep, for, for the rest it. of the episode, just here yep. in the singles night. Yep. And the second is I liked how after that, Leslie goes, Ron, walk. Walk it off. Walk it off. Yeah. And so I like that. It, it has some very nice symmetry with when Ron helped Leslie to cool off in the penultimate season two episode master plan. When Ron says, OK, Leslie, what do we do when we get this angry? We count backwards from a thousand by sevens and we think a warm brownie. So it's like <laughs> clearly they are each other's guard dogs to they say, are. OK, you've you've crossed the line. Calm down. Yep, I yeah. I love it. And, and speaking of scenes, this reminded us of um, not so long ago, we were out on Chris's patio. Ron was expecting a, you know, consolation steak since his <laughs> beloved, his beloved, uh, what's it called? <laughs> Mul- his beloved mulligans had closed and he got a portobello mushroom cap instead. <laughs> what in the name of devil is this? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, Ron and Chris are uh, on different culinary platforms, Mark. They, they need to have a, a show on Food Network where it's like oh Ron God. versus Chris. Huh? That is brilliant. Yeah. Oh, while Ron is walking off his frustration about the non-cake cake. Yeah. Uh, we, we bounce back over to Mezzi and we check in with Anne and it seems like uh, she might be getting a little bit of a lifeline here. You would think that. Uh, you know, we like you said, we go back to Mezzi's and we rejoin Anne, currently in progress, and we see her kind of just uh, walking around aimlessly, like she doesn't really sure what to do. She doesn't have a lot of direction. And then from across the crowded room, she sees Donna sitting at the bar. Oh, thank God. Yeah. Well, she's visibly relieved, Alan, because clearly, like you said, this is going to be a lifeline. And she walks up to her and she starts like going blah, 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 blah to her immediately. Tells her all about the awkward experience so far. And it's so awful when you have to be here by yourself, don't you think? And Donna aggressively responds, look, where do you think we are? We're in the jungle. There are no friends here. It's every woman for herself. And I have some more advice for you. Beat it. <laughs> and, and I don't think she was exactly mean to her. I think she was just very competitive at that point and say, like, you know, think about where you are. I think Anne was kind of stunned by this. 
Well, Ian is taken back, uh, taken a little aback about Donna's approach here. She's like, you're joking, right? And right. She says, Do I look like I'm joking? Right, right. And this she is... says, dating is a zero sum game. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. If I, if you get a man, I don't get that man. And it's hard to argue with that, Mark. Well, back at the party, we learn from Tom that there is a nasty rumor being circulated about Ben, maybe by Tom. <laughs> well, yeah, back at the dinner party, uh, we see Leslie and Ben standing together and Tom walks up to him and Tom asks Ben about him leaving Pawnee. And Ben indicates, yeah, you know, I'm unsure, but I'm thinking about it. I'm considering it, kind of giving a meaningful look at Leslie when he says that. And Tom tells Ben, it's actually kind of sweet. He would be sorry. He's a nerd, but he'd be sorry to see him go, which is kind of nice. And I think that pleasantly surprises Ben. I I do, too. And, you know, I love there at the end that Tom is still trying to make fun of him, though, because he's got to recover from being a nice guy. Yeah, yeah. He says, uh, what were you going to do with your uh, your time off? Are you going to go on a year long walking tour of the set of The Lord of the Rings in New Zealand? Uh, To be honest with you, I wasn't a fan of uh, Peter Jackson's interpretation. So you can just put that one away. away. (laughs) Mic drop. Nerd mic drop. Yep. I love it. Meanwhile, we're in the kitchen and we learn a giant secret. Andy is going to be putting out more bagel bites. (laughs) You know, I thought of it. Someone's in the kitchen with Andy. I won't do that. Thank you. Thank God you didn't do that. It won't be in my head all day now. (laughs) Yes, that's right. Leslie's in the kitchen uh, and and helping Andy. Now it's in my head. (laughs) I hate you. And... All of a sudden, April enters and she's wearing it's not a hoodie, but it's like she's wearing a jacket and it's kind of wrapped around her. So you can't see what she's wearing underneath. And April either undoes or unzips the jacket or whatever, asking Andy's opinion of what she's wearing, which Andy strangely responds to by covering his face with the platter that was holding the bagel bites, <laughs> spilling the bagel bites, which is a shame. And then, you know, telling April, oh, I'm not supposed to see you. Huh? And then Leslie asks them what's going on, and they drop a surprise bombshell on her that no one else knows. They are getting married later that night at the dinner party. To each other. Yeah, 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 yeah. To each other. Sorry, we need that clarification. That's right. That's right. So, Just in case you were confused. So needless to say, Leslie's pretty stunned at this. A little bit. Yeah. A little bit. Well, Mark, after a short fade to black, as they sometimes are wont to do, then we're still in the kitchen at Burley's house. And Mark, why is this... um, great thing happening our, our viewers really want to know <laughs> leslie as you alluded to is she's trying to make some sense of this doggone thing you know like hey this is great are you pregnant <laughs> or like what's uh, so you are you sick are you terminal and i i love the way this is so classic april and andy yes april because she's sarcastic and andy because he dumb and because you know <laughs> leslie is april pregnant are you pregnant yes yes no <laughs> Like, if, uh, could you just join me, Andy, on being sarcastic? It would be much more fun. Well, and, and then she does it again. Yeah. Well, are you sick? Are you terminal? Is it like that movie you'll walk to remember? Yes. What? No. <laughs> <clears throat> anyway, so they they tell her that they just decided to, you know, apropos of nothing. And Leslie continues to express concern, saying things like you haven't been together very long. You have no place to live. But. I mean, what can you say? Andy and April don't seem worried and nor do they have a specific plan. You know, a detail that I think irks Leslie. 
Well, Mark, they were hanging out and uh, funny story, you know, they're just hanging out yep. and suddenly Andy was like, hey, what if we get married tomorrow? And April's like, fine. And he's like, fine. <laughs> that That's pretty much it. That is a great story. That is a great story. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I think the big decisions are still ahead of them. They've agreed to get married, but now they need to decide between whether they're going to just get a condo or a house. <laughs> you just can't get a condo. Uh, you're right, house. You know how we said that, you know, that kid, uh, Chris, uh, Chris Traeger, that Rob Lowe guy, he might make it. He might make it. I don't know about these kids, though. I'm not sure about them. I mean, I, I love that they're in love, but it, I'm a little bit in Leslie's camp at this point in the episode. Is this a good idea? You know, Alan, you're you're why people cry and uh, you need to be a champion of love like I am. Um and, and while I'm being a champion of love, yeah. which the viewers clearly are in my camp, sure. um, I, did you notice Leslie's talking head at the end of this? Uh, this was kind of interesting. It was funny, but because she says, yeah. you know, I love them as a couple. I want them to stay together, but they need planning, blah, blah, blah. You know, you can't jump into something apropos of nothing. And then she says, it took me four years to find the right hairdresser. And still we fight all the time. Is she talking about Salvatore? No. You know, I had the same recollection, exact same thought process. And yeah. I, I reminded myself that this was a one-time deal for her because she wanted a cut that was- The mayor. Get her to the mayor. <laughs> the famous the mayor. Oh. So good. Who other than Leslie would say something like, relationships need planning? Right, right. So you can really see both points of view here. It's a little fast- Leslie's point of view, and they're in love and they don't want anything stopping them. You know, April and Andy. Right. So basically what we're saying, ladies and gentlemen, is, is one of us is human and one of us is a robot. We're going to leave it to you to figure out which <laughs> champion of love. Oh, in the next scene, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Meep Morp, go yeah, ahead. Meep Morp, Morp. Well, now that Leslie knows what April and Andy intend to do, she seeks out some advice from Ron. Oh, and, and Tom, too, because, well, he's standing right there. He's standing there. And what can you yeah. do? Because he has ears and stuff. Yeah. She walks up to Ron and Tom and tells them about the secret ceremony, because at this point, she's got to tell someone. And Tom seems kind of excited, like he's kind of taken aback, like, whoa, you know. And Leslie turns specifically to Ron to say, you need to help me stop this. And Ron refuses and furthermore urges her to refrain as well. Which is interesting. Like, I, I'm not sure that was the reaction I expected Ron to have. But then when I think about it, I don't know what I expected him to think. Well, he is a libertarian. He's very well, live and let live. Live and let live. Plus, I got to say, just to hit this note once again, I kind of like how they're each other's safety mechanisms. Mm. You know, he's kind of holding her back. She held him back earlier. Blah, it's blah, a great blah. point. Yeah. It's, it's a it's a kind of a uh, point counterpoint thing where they're they're doing this little game. Right. Yeah. It's like yeah. yin and yang, except not a failure. I love it. Mm. The pyramid of greatness is sitting here right, I know, right I behind see me. Yes, it's yeah. wonderful. Mark, the other thing I liked about this very short scene, and we've talked about it longer than it was actually on air, <laughs> but <laughs> it's still funny. Um, you know, Tom goes, whoa, a secret wedding. Julia Roberts pulled the same move. And Ron goes, is that the toothy girl from Mystic Pizza? That's, that's how he knows her. I got to be honest, this this resonated with me because for years I used to say when someone would mention her name, I'd mm -hmm. say, oh, the one from Mystic Pizza. Right. That was my, that not, was my joke. Not, not Pretty Woman. Right. Right, right. Which, I hate that movie. Anyway, that's for another episode. 
You're such a robot. Okay. <laughs> Mark, I foreshadowed it earlier, so this won't come as a shock to you or our viewers. But back over at Mezzi, I feel that a new wave of a nausea, I mean, awkwardness is about to set in. Is it ever? Here comes a tidal wave, baby. Um, yeah, we see in... I'll, I'll be generous and call it flirting, but but Badly. way way poorly, like very not good um, with a guy named Brian. Uh, it doesn't matter. It's just a guy who thinks she's nuts. Enter name here. Uh, to, so to sum it up, we see her awkwardly crash and burn talking yeah. to this guy. This is not it's good. hard to watch. And apparently Donna was uh, watching this hard to watch thing from the sidelines. And she is absolutely dumbfounded by how bad and it is at this. And uh <laughs> that's where my DKA came yeah, from. One day. Yes. Like, are you Nell from the movie Nell? Did you grow up in the woods? How are you this bad? And she's shaking her head in disbelief. And, you know, at first I think she saw that Anne was, or she thought Anne was like a competitor. And now I think she's kind of taking pity on her and going, okay, come here, follow me. You know, we're going to give her some tips. I think she needs those tips. Oh, yes. De yeah. Desperately. Well, Mark, there's an old axiom that says that you won't get what you want unless you ask for it. And apparently Tom has heard this before. Yes, has he ever. At, at the dinner party, Tom approaches Andy and he lets him know that he knows, wink, wink, and asks if, you know, he can be Andy's best man. And Andy cheerfully agrees, like, totally, dude. And, and this makes Tom very, very happy. As a matter of fact, I think this is where Tom gives his only OMG Ding, to the camera yeah. when, when Andy says, you know, yeah, you can be my best man. Um, and Tom goes on to give a little talking ahead and say, yeah, you know, this is a life goal that I need to be a best man. It's a baller position. You get drunk, you make speeches and you make love to the prettiest bridesmaid, which yikes. Yeah. <laughs> Tom's. <laughs> Tom, oh, Tom is so Tom. I don't even know what I mean. He'd become an adjective of himself. I don't know what else to say about it. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just move on. Yeah. Let's do that. <laughs> well, as we know, Mark, overprepared Leslie is a huge fan of decision making tools. And once again, she's recommending yet another pros and cons list here. She is. You know, at this point, April, I think, is in one of Burley's bedrooms getting ready. Yeah, that's right. And Leslie's with her, yeah. as you mentioned. It's the, it's the small bedroom, not the large one, by the way. I asked Burley. <laughs> oh, gotcha. Yeah. Well, you two are tight. Mm -hmm. All right. And so clearly she's still very concerned about how fast this is happening. And she's trying to talk April into delaying the wedding so that she can do some other things first. Like, for example, a making a pros and cons list, which is always a good idea. Always. Or as an alternative, B going home and going to bed. <laughs> you know, that would be good, too, on account of if you just left and went to bed, maybe things would be good. Go to bed and. <laughs> April doesn't seem to be bothered by any of this. And as a matter of fact, April seems confident like she's yeah. she isn't shaken by any of no. this. Even when Andy pops his head in and asks for her middle name, like she actually laughs at this. But like Leslie, on the other hand, looks like she's going to lose her mind. Like yeah. You don't even know each other's middle right. names. Like, yeah. When you plan a relationship, Mark, you, you write all that stuff down. <laughs> and I watch this scene, uh, our loyal podcast viewers, because when she when when April tells Andy her middle name and Andy goes off cackling. <laughs> Roberta. <laughs> like, God, you're such a loser. Shut up. I don't even know why I'm marrying oh my him. God. 
Uh, and that too there's so much in this episode she goes I'm, you're such a loser like she's smiling when she says yeah, this. she's such a loser I can't believe I'm married and Leslie like well you don't have to and then she's like I'm going to and then I'm, and then I'm gonna divorce him and I'm gonna marry him again just to piss you off Leslie <laughs> is what she's implying there yep well, of course, you know, as as Leslie is wont to do, Mark, she often reflects back on one of her bad relationships. Oh, and clearly yeah. at this point, we know she's had many. Many, many. But I love this one. She one time fell madly in love with the Civil War reenactor that she had only known for six hours. And then she she found out he wore those clothes all the time. Oh. <laughs> and he was married. Uh. Uh, but the clothes thing really bothered her. Oh, yeah. I mean, that would all stinko. Yeah. Well, Mark, you know, when you're doing something for the first time, and even if it's the first time in a while, it's always good to get some expert advice. Why? What have you heard? Well, I heard that Donna was giving Anne some advice. Oh, okay. That's a good thing. All right. Because she needs it. Yeah. She really does. So the first thing we see is Donna is peeling off Anne's name tag. And she's going over some tips (laughs) with her. And she says, you know, this name tag? Yeah, you need to scribble that name on there because... This draws them in and you got to make them work for it. You, you don't want to say Anne in big block letters. You just kind of go. Arr, arr, yeah, arr. yeah. All right. And you also want to watch out for too much eye contact because you want to on account of you want to seem available, but not too available. Um, <laughs> Donna turns to the bartender. Or maybe she does a little earlier and she orders uh, two shots of Jameson. Yeah. And you figure, okay, so they're Donna's going to have a shot. Donna's going to take Anne out into the field. Maybe, maybe Anne has a little bit of nerves, and she's going to take. You know, they're each going to take a shot of Jameson. They're going to go out there, and Anne tries to politely go, "Oh, I think I'm good." And Donna's like, "Mm-hmm." And then she takes both shots and goes, "Give it a gulp," <laughs> and does them both at the same time. That's pretty talented. I, I've been practicing this, Mark, and every time I basically dribble, I need my lobster bib. But I'm I'm bound and determined to keep working on this until I get it right, or I'm so drunk that I can't find the bottle or the bib. I can't get past the image of you taking shots with a lobster bib. <laughs> that is so brilliant and bad. I'd forgotten that lobster bibs even existed until I started rewatching this show, and Ron reminded me. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Yep. Well, Mark, you know, we did just mention how overprepared Leslie typically is. Well, apparently Andy is taking a page from her book and he's going to make sure that he at least has one best man standing by the end of the evening. You know, that's not a bad way to approach it. Uh, I see. I figured that my take on this scene is that Tom put the thought in general of Andy having a best man. And I think once the thought was in there, Andy went, well, let's roll with it. I don't know if Andy understands the concept of the best man. Well, it's not best men. It's man. That's how the way I've always heard it. Yeah. And, and yet uh, Andy goes up to most of the guys there one by one, including like Ron and Chris. Sorry, Jerry. And then, you know, others <laughs> to ask them to be their his best man. All like all of them, like jointly, coll- collectively. And needless to say, Tom is a little dismayed at this as he wanted to be like the best man or the best, best man. And so attempting to make himself stand out. Oh, Tom, he stands up on a chair and he addresses the crowd to see what, let's say, resources are available for an impromptu bachelor party. LOL and yuck. Well, back at the party, Leslie is getting desperate since no one else will treat this as a crisis. And she reaches out to the one and only person she thinks who will fully understand and be able to help her stop this madness. That is correct. She is going to her bestie, her lifeline. And, and uh, you know, 
Anne answers her phone and Leslie tells her all about what's going on here. And she basically says, yeah, you know what? I need you to get down here and kiss Andy again or kiss April. You need to kiss someone and damn it. Cause I need your help. I don't know. Anne. help, please help. Ah, and then hangs up. And, uh, and I, I don't think Anne knows what to do with this. Leslie has a great anecdote here, Mark. She says that relationships are like scuba diving. Mm. If you come up too fast, you can get the bends. And the only reason she knows this is because she was once dating a guy. They were scuba diving. Uh-huh. And she told him why they were underwater, that she was in love with him. Uh-huh. And he got the bends trying to get out of there. So. <laughs> <laughs> Leslie just has the worst she, luck. She hasn't really had a good dating history. and a half. Holy yeah. Mm. Well, Mark, many great prognosticators have tried to see into the future. And the ones I have are just kind of creepy like Orin. This was, this was such a funny start to the scene. We see... Ben is talking to Oren, creepy, creepy, intense Oren at the at the dinner party there. And the first thing we hear is Ben's looking directly at him and he says, no, Oren, I don't know how I'm going to die. (laughs) Awkward pause. (laughs) Wait, are you asking me or telling me (laughs) like, yikes. Uh, And Leslie chooses that moment to walk up behind Ben and says, hey, can I talk to you a moment? Yes, please. (laughs) And so she kind of rescues him. Yeah, she saves Um, his bacon from Orin. Yep. She's bacon save Leslie. And uh, but she also takes him aside to vent to him as well, because Ron's no help uh, to vent to him about April and Andy getting married. Well, before they can talk too much about it uh, and a a minute later, Andy makes an announcement to everyone that there's going to be a big event in the uh, (laughs) attention, everybody and madams and Ms. Where where have I heard that? I don't know. I don't know. That's interesting. So, yeah, do me the obligation of having the honor of the death of the room and therefore and the hence and the like. Just (laughs) a big, big event in that room. 15 minutes. Oh, okay. Oh, my God. This is really happening. You know, she does. Leslie is clearly conflicted here, though, because she says, you know, I love April and Andy and I want them to stay together. Yeah. That's why I have to stop this wedding. I know. I know. And I kind of see where her head is. But at the same time, it's like Leslie just needs to let other people live their lives. And and maybe just maybe, Mark, focus on her own a little bit. Yeah, I don't see it that way. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Neither you nor Leslie do, as a matter of fact. Maybe you're right. Well, Mark, like we had at the end of Harvest Festival, here we have another great montage sequence, this time appropriately over the top of Simon and Garfunkel's April Come, She Will. And um, this is just a really, really great scene. I totally agree. So just to make sure everyone's up to speed here. So, you know, we're we're still at the dinner party. It's it's the 15 minutes later that Andy was uh, yep. alluding to. Leslie has not yet stopped this thing. <laughs> not not yet. And uh, Andy is once again addressing the crowd, but this time to reveal their secret to everybody that it's not just a dinner party. It's April and Andy's wedding and everybody smiles and applauds and. As you said, you know, they start to play the beautiful Simon and Garfunkel song, April Come, She Will. It's playing in the background. Um, we we see just a, a couple things start here, like uh, Derek and Ben, who I think uh, uh, April wanted to be uh, ironic uh, flower, flower girls, girls, if I yeah. remember right. Yeah. Um, but did you notice this? I, I, I froze frame this. Froze frame? Freeze frame. That's a thing. Yeah, you froze, froze frame. frame it? I froze. What, I completely froze what frame What frame it. did you froze? I, all of them. Just in a row, like stacked like cordwood. I froze all the frames. And then it looked like Ben and Derek were, instead of scattering flower petals, 
weren't they scattering potato chips? Yeah. That's brilliant. Look, you go with what you got on hand. That's no, that's brilliant. Like and, I'm and angry April, now. And Andy used up his entire stash of, of flower petals when he, on the camping episode. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Wait, very nice. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. So April comes out of the bedroom and she's looking beautiful and she's happy yeah. and she's smiling and she slowly walks up to Andy. And I have never seen such a look of sweetness on Andy's face. Like he is absolutely stunned and smitten. And April finally reaches Andy and they grin and they give each other little sweet high fives. And their last high five is an as an unmarried couple, Mark. Oh, oh, that's poignant. That's poignant, isn't it? And you know what? From from here on, it's actually a pretty good. Should we have Constantine play this part of the clip? Yeah, I, I think he might have that queued up. Constantine hit hit that one button there. That no, no, mm-hmm. that one. Yeah, that, yeah, that, that yeah, one right yeah, there. We are gathered here today to marry Andrew Maxwell Dwyer and April Roberta Ludgate. I guess I kind of hate most things, but I never really seem to hate you. So I want to spend the rest of my life with you. Is that cool? Yes. Is it my turn? Yes. April, you're the most awesome person I have ever known in my entire life. I vow to protect you from danger. I don't care if I have to fight an ultimate fighter or a bear or him, your mom. I would take him down. I'm getting mad right now even thinking about it. I'm telling you. It's okay. I want to spend the rest of my life every minute with you. And I'm the luckiest man in the galaxy. And now the race. By the power vested in me by the state of Indiana, I now pronounce you husband and wife. (laughs) Oh, Mark, I like that scene for 19 different levels. I mean, the obvious one is that, you know, these kids are suddenly do this thing and and yet it feels right. Yeah, I, I I agree, Alan. There's a there's a ton of things I could say about this, and and all of them good. Uh, you know, so just a, a quick recap. There's just a few amount of visual aspects to this that maybe yeah. didn't translate to the audio. So, you know, we heard April and Andy give their vows to one another, and then the Justice of the Peace asked them to for the rings. Well, we see Chris uh, <laughs> give you know give the box that opens up and to yeah. April and Andy they take their wings yeah. w- their rings and put them on and then the camera pans a little bit to the right and you see Tom is so mad he's, he's so trying angry. so oh, you gotta be the best best man so come, I don't get to do anything come on and then the justice of the peace pronounces them man and wife everybody applauds April and Andy kiss and I think that's about where the where the clip stopped and then the, the final <laughs> part of the scene is it's just, you know, what should be a really nice touching yeah. ending to this yeah, is, is is doves flying through the air. Well, so wouldn't we, that be beautiful? Oh, my gosh. And we see the animal, the two animal control stoners, Harris and Brett, who we've met several <laughs> times before. Um, they open a cage and uh, fly, fly wings of love fly. and they toss a dove into the air. 
only to have it plummet to the ground. It's obviously dead and thud. And then I think it's Brett that says, uh, uh, oh, okay, all right. So that one is dead. We know that. Uh, so good. This is this is Colton a, Dunn. Colton Dunn. That's right. Yes. That's right. For us, uh, who went to go into Superstore? Yes, sir. Yep. This was a brilliant scene, though, and I, I won't belabor this. I have a whole lot more to say about this at the end. I do want to do have two quick notes. Yeah. One is that you know, <clears throat> sorry. One is that Andy's brothers are all there. Yes, they are, and, and we really and haven't seen them to this point. We haven't seen them you, to this if point. If you don't count deleted scenes, and it's surprising that we haven't seen them because it looks like they are almost all giants. <laughs> they make Chris Pratt look like the runt of the litter, and he's six four. He's he's in, he's the baby of the bunch. Oh my gosh! And, and maybe one day we'll grow up to be seven five like the rest of them. I mean, like surprising. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then uh, the other note I wanted to make is, and I think we knew this before then, but it's worth noting, is that April's mother and father and sister are all, are all present. Yeah. And I'll talk more about this later, but again, just want to make note of it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Mark, moving on from that for a brief moment, you know, I've seen some crazy dancing before, but Chris <laughs> makes Elaine Bennett look like Liza Minnelli in Cabaret. Oh, my gosh. He does that thing you just said. Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, no one expects him of all things to have breakdancing moves. But you know what? You, you put on House of Pain, jump around. You never know. He is just got some of the craziest dancing and facial gestures. I'm not even sure what to do with it. And did you notice like around him watching him, not only is April like pleasantly surprised, <laughs> but if you take a look behind him at Natalie. Yeah. Like she's kind of digging it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she's into it for a minute. Yeah. Yeah. And then and Natalie's not into anything. No, no, no. not at all. Um, and then we we cut to from there, Leslie sitting outside and you can still hear jump around playing, but, you know, no break dancing. And Ron walks up to Leslie with two drinks and he hands her one and then he sits down with her. And, you know, Constantine, I know you're exhausted from playing that that clip, man. But that, that th one thing you did, that one thing you did. Come on, so come on. But this is actually another really, really nice scene. So let's let's go ahead and play this one. You wouldn't have been able to stop it, you know. I could have yelled something or tackled someone. But you didn't because deep down, you know, it wouldn't have mattered. Those kids are going to do what they want to do. They may have just ruined their lives on an impulse decision. Leslie, I got married twice. Both times I was a lot older than those two, and both marriages ended in divorce. And a burning effigy. Who's to say what works? You, know, you find somebody you like and you roll the dice. It's all anybody can do. Wait, weren't you married three times? My God, you're right. I get to burn another effigy. <laughs> <laughs> now that, that that this is a really cool scene, and I mean they don't like take it too uber like dramatic or seriously, but I mean this is this is nice uh, scene with Leslie and Ron being there for each other and just kind of talking about a serious moment. Yeah. Um, <laughs> of course, ending it you know with Ron getting to burn another effigy. As a matter of fact, he has a talking head at the end of this where. He's instructing anyone for all of you out there who might want to yeah. burn, uh, you know, an ex-spouse uh, yeah. effigy of some sort. I think what's interesting about this scene is I feel like in the the Leslie Ben arc of this this episode, which we kind of alluded to a little bit earlier, 
they're just little sprinkles along the way. Mm -hmm. Here's another one. Like Mm -hmm. all these things are going to add up to Leslie and, and her considerations about a potential relationship with Ben for her, I think. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, I think it's going to take some time to pay off. It's not going to happen in this episode, but I think all these things are just going toward that larger arc. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, to quote Ron, you find somebody you like, you roll the dice. That's all anybody can do. What else can you do? Yeah. What else can you do? You know, Mark, not everyone is a great and an inspiring speech maker. And uh, if anyone finds my gray hoodie, could you please give it to Constantine? (laughs) Well, you know, Alan, for those of us who are great speech makers, the rest of you make me sick. Um, No, I'm just kidding. Um, So at this point, uh, as Alan is alluding to, different people are giving speeches. And um, starting with April's sister, Natalie, uh, who's, you know, not real demonstrative. Uh, <laughs> I think you can sum it up. My sister's lame, but Andy's sort of cool. I guess I see Wade Marrier. Also, if someone finds my gray hoodie, I lost it. Thanks. And <laughs> everybody applauds and April stands up. Did you notice that she's she's crying? crying. Like Pouring that tears. was emotion like waves, tidal the waves. Biggest tears I've ever seen. Holy cow. Uh, and then uh, Andy's grandma gets up yeah. and she's giving a speech. And we, we hear the beginning of it where she's like, you two remind me of me and my husband, George. And she's very sweet. And you, you the, pan, the camera pans to the side a little bit and you see Tom going through some index cards. Clearly, he's planning a, a speech of his own. And, and uh, speaking of speech writing and, and uh, power couples, uh, can we play this clip of Tom and John Ralphio? Yeah, I, I think that's an excellent idea. Constantly hit, hit that button. No, no, no. That button. Yeah, the other one. I got to nail the speech. So I brought in an expert, Jean Ralphio. Can I throw something on you, see if it feels good? Sure. Okay, this is what I would do. I would start with a joke. Joke. Vince Vaughn quote, obviously. Swingers or crashers? Fred Claus. Talk about Andy's ex-girlfriends, quote from Love Actually. Hold back your tears, pause. Drop the microphone, get out of that bitch. Oh my God. Uh, Mark, I don't know about you, but I, I feel like Jean Ralphio is kind of a poet of a sort. <laughs> Uh, you know, the, the, the last part of that sentence of a sort, I think saves it. Yeah. Uh, he, he's a character. That's for sure. Uh, Fred Claus, please. Well, it, you know, I like that he went against convention. Yeah, he did. I, I would have picked swingers and he's right. Fred Claus much better. Yeah. Although love actually trumps them all, I, I think. <laughs> anyway, so we get back from this. So clearly Tom has been prepared by, let's say the best. Why not? And and Why not? so he's he's ready, Alan. He's ready. He's going to be the best, best man. He's going to give a, a, a kick ass speech and he's going to do it now. And we finish. We come back to Andy's grandma finishing her speech. And she says, I wish you best of luck to both of you. And everybody just roaring applause. I mean, she did so well. Yeah. And, and Andy walks up to his grandma and gives her a big hug. And yep. and Andy kind of, I think, is reading the room yeah. and, and realizes, you know, how can anyone possibly top that? And he says that to everybody. How yeah. can anyone possibly top that? Am I right? So thank you, everybody, for all the talking. Let's just get <laughs> back to dancing. And everybody cheers except for Tom, who is so mad. He's incensed. Tom keeps getting like right to the to the precipice and then he has to take a seat. I know. He's so close Poor every time. Guy. Poor over guy. Over and over I again. I mean, I'm starting to feel for him. I actually am starting to feel for him at this point as well. Mark, if I've learned anything on the playground of life, it's that you sometimes have choices. If someone steals your ball, you can go home and mope. Yep. Or you can do something cooler than that. I don't know. 
Yeah, you can you can steal someone else's ball. So it's just like paying no, it that. paying it forward. I, is yes. that is that does that not what that means? I don't means? think that's what they mean by that. No. no. Um all right. Yeah. We'll steal it backwards, whatever it means. <laughs> um whatever it takes, Bob. So I, I think I know what you're alluding to here. Like we are going back to Mezzi's singles night and um, we see Anne talking to a guy and she seems a little more confident now. It just seems right. like she's doing a little better. And they finish talking and the guy walks away and Donna approaches and, you know, asks her how it went. And Anne tells Donna, you know, it went better, but uh, I'm going to go. I just found out. Leslie just told me uh, Andy's getting married. And Donna essentially has a come to Jesus moment with yeah. Anne and says, look, you're a hot young doctor, nurse, nurse whatever. I don't know you that well, um, but you need to fix your attitude. And instead of sulking about Andy, who you weren't going to marry anyway, give that guy over there who's been looking at you your number. Unless you want me to just pop him in my bins for myself. And Anne agrees and goes over to the guy. So I think maybe Donna is starting to get through to her. I think it's starting to work, you know, um, and and I'm glad she's having her stay at it because clearly the guy she's just interacted with. And although he just recently beat herpes. Yay. Uh, yeah. It, it may not be the best choice for Anne. No. So you get you also understand why she's a little dejected. Between right. that and the news of Andy, who she worked so hard on. And then, you know, someone else reaps the benefits. Yes. Like, what kind of world is this? Yeah. Yeah. Well, back at the dinner party, absolutely nobody is overthinking anything. No. And Tom finally gets the best man acknowledgement. And even better, uh, Andy calls him his best, best man. I know. So we see uh, Andy. So, you know, uh, ostensibly they danced a little more. And so it's now quiet again. And Andy's addressing the crowd once again. And um, he looks like Mouse Rat is getting ready to play. And so Andy, uh, I think, is at the microphone. He's addressing the crowd and he thanks everybody. And especially, as you said, especially Tom, his best, best man, which I think really makes Tom happy. Finally gets his Um, moment. And he's single ladies. I think. Are you are you you're not with John Raffio, right? You're you're straight. Like, no. Yes. Mm, Way Way to ruin it. But he concludes by saying, hey, life is short. And you should do whatever makes you happy. And then he, he then plays a song he wrote for April Roberta Ludgate. And, and everyone starts dancing again and having a great time. You know, there is one thing I want to make note of here, Alan. Uh, while Andy and Mouse Rider are playing the song for April Roberta Ludgate, uh, you know, and everyone's dancing and everything. Which starts with, oh, grandma, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I love that so much. <laughs> and <laughs> you know what? I didn't notice that. Yeah. That's oh, funny. Grandma. <laughs> <laughs> and so, but so this is very sweet though. April, you know, this. so this is like, this is the first song after all this has happened when like official dancing is happening. So this is kind of sort of kind of like a first dance. Oh, true. Who does April pull out? She pulls Ron out. That's right. Kind of her, uh, her, her, her proxy dad, but her real dad's there. Yes. And yeah. that's what blew me away. Like, first of all, it's very sweet. Yeah. I, I, I like it. And then I'm like, isn't her real dad there? Like, yeah. this, doesn't Larry get, but Larry's so even keel. I don't think he's going to I mind. don't think he's, I, honestly, I don't think he's the type to get upset. No, I, I think you're right. Way, no, yeah. no. I'd, I'd be pissed, but you know. That's but, but it's interesting, isn't it? It is a very interesting choice yeah. for sure. Yeah. 
Well, and, you know, I love to, there's a great line in here, Mark, you know, as Andy's telling everybody, you know, that, hey, that we're going to do what makes us happy. Life's too short. We're in love. So we didn't overthink it. I mean, seriously, I cannot emphasize how little thought we gave about this. <laughs> I think we've heard him say something like that before. I think he has. Yeah. Uh, poor Leslie. He's just pouring salt in her wounds. I know. Well, Mark, next we've got a couple of short scenes. Uh, the first one I call Orin Can't Even. <laughs> and it's a pure joy to watch. And it's followed by one I just called Oh, very, very well said. So for the first scene that Alan's alluding to, uh, very cheerful, optimistic uh, Chris Traeger is talking to uh, the, the, the son of Satan himself, Oren. Uh, and and so now you, you talk about the irresistible force meeting the immovable object. Oh, my God. So good. Well, we we see the irresistible force actually winning. Yeah, because Oren in his dark nature and he's brooding and all he's broody, he's broody Alan. And then he stands there, he stands there and being broody. And then Chris is just like, I love everything, you know, and and mortality and take every day at a time. There's nothing in the world we can't accomplish if we try. And Orrin finally says, I have to go. (laughs) (laughs) So Orrin's met his match. He really has. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, just pour some Chris sauce on that and go away. (laughs) (laughs) So in the second scene, then I, I think Leslie is alone in the kitchen. I don't know if she's like, I, I forget what she's doing. I, if she's preparing something or washing dishes, it doesn't matter. But Leslie's alone in the kitchen. She's just working off some some frustration, I think, is what she's doing. Maybe. Yeah. Um, although I think at this point she's less frustrated. Like, I think she's starting to come to accept that. You think she's coming around the bend? A little she bit. may be. Yeah. And then, so we see April come into the kitchen and join her. And she just very simply tells her. There's no laughs here. She April just simply tells her, I'm really glad you're here. And I think you're awesome. And I love you. And he gives her a big hug. And that's it. It's a really sweet moment. Yeah. And you know what? You know what I think I like the best about this scene and the others that have occurred so far here is that like there's a part of me that's like, okay, you see something happening. Now, when's the threes company style hijinks going to happen? Like when is the when is the the misunderstanding or the hilarious (laughs) moment going to happen? And they just let it be. Yeah. And that's brilliant. brilliant. It really is. Yeah. Well, in some ways, both April and Andy have kind of risen above their normal selves here. I think that's what people are underestimating them, maybe. Yeah. And just saying they're just being stupid kids rushing into this thing. But I think they're good with where they're at. And in some weird way, that's. It's what's right for them. So they've kind of risen above all that noise. Well said. I got nothing to add to that. Way to go. Well, Mark, speaking of clowns. Yes. um, In our last scene of the dinner party, we kick off with the terrific Clueless Harris bit. And then we wrap it up with the results of Ben's big decision. That's right. We we mix those two chemicals together and see the yes. reaction. So at the first part of it, yeah, we see Andy and Mouse Rat are continuing to play, you know, his April Ludgate, Roberta Ludgate song. Oh, grandma. And uh, <laughs> and and Harris from one of the two stoners from Animal oh, Control God. is standing by Ben asking him about, quote, that hot girl, April, like what's her deal? And so an astounded Ben reminds him, uh, yeah, she just got married. Like 20 minutes ago. Oh, is that the girl from the thing? And and Harris takes it in stride, Uh, to say the least, but then sums it up by saying, man, all the good ones are taken, huh, bro? And almost as if on cue, Ben kind of looks across the crowd and looking wistfully at Leslie, who's talking to someone and like, yeah, 
although not that Leslie's taken, but I think that's where his mind kind of goes. And so I think spurred by that, Ben makes his way across the crowd to Leslie and she and he's standing by her and he takes a drink of his beer. And before he can even say anything, Leslie blurts out, I think you should stay in Pawnee, you know. And, and he's like, really? And she starts to give several logical reasons yeah. and everything. And Ben interrupts her and says, I've already accepted Chris's job. So that's really cool, you know? And uh, they, they're like grinning at each other. And you think, oh, they're having a moment. But it turns out Leslie is slightly horrified that Oren is behind Ben, you know, <laughs> and like, I don't know, some sort of variation of the Grim Reaper or something. And it's like. Vampire. Vampire. Nosferatu. Blah. And uh, and Ben says, Orange behind me. What what what, like and he starts to panic. Like, what what do I do? Like, just keep keep talking to me. Just keep looking at me. And they start to like go and start to sidle towards the exit. And then they get there. Like, oh hi, how are you? Hi, we're talking. Yeah, how's the wedding? Okay, run! Run. (laughs) You know, it's interesting to me, Mark. You just take this scene. This Uh is like, I don't know, what is it, a minute something long here? Yeah. It's basically, yeah, a minute and 15 seconds, something like that. And we start off with some silly joke from Harris, right? And it ends with this great line, all the good ones are taken, bro. Mm -hmm. You know, which gives us this moment for Ben. We get to see kind of what Ben's thinking through that that mechanism, right? And then we end the scene with more silliness. So it's like they never let it get too silly. And yet the silliness sometimes is also there as a launching pad for something deeper. Um, That's kind of brilliant writing in my mind. I, 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 I think this scene is very interesting in that way. I agree. And I think that they've they've taken that cue in some of the other scenes. Um, yeah, it's in, not the first time episode. it's happened in this episode. You know, Alan, I learned when I was a young lad and I had a, 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 long time a, a lemonade. That's just mean. And it had a lemonade stand. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah, uh, you know, by the drugstore when we used to go there for a phosphate. Um, <laughs> so I had that lemonade stand there and then and people would come up and go, man, this is too sweet. What did you do? And I just said, I just poured sugar in the water. Am I missing something? And they said, it's too cloyingly sweet. You need something to balance it off. Yeah. Well, Alan, I think these great, great writers of Parks and Rec clearly heard about my lemonade stand experience because this inspired them, Mark. Because they don't let the sweet moments, while they do it exceedingly well, they don't let it get too cloying. Yeah. It is, after all, a sitcom. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't want it just to be full of sap and good feelings. But but the best ones out there, I think, can handle both, both. country and western. That's right. <laughs> Mark, in our kicker, which is all that's really left, and it's getting another dose of that meagle wisdom when Leslie shares a video that she got from April and Andy on their honeymoon. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, this is just very, very short. It's a nice kicker. Um, Anne finally gets, like you said, Anne, get, Anne gets a text from one of the one of the dudes she was talking to last night and uh, who's who seems to like her and says, hope we can get together soon. And Donna says, all right, now you write. Who is this? <laughs> just kind of kind of keep you guessing a little bit, you know. Like I talked to a million guys like which which number are you? Um, and then Leslie uh, tells everyone, like you said, they got a, a video message from April and Andy, who I guess are on their their honeymoon. Yeah, they're on their honeymoon. So yeah. and actually this plays out really well. Should we have Constantine play our yeah, last clip of the episode? That would be great. That'd be a great way to send us off today. So here yep. we go. Hey, you guys, we got a video from April and Andy. Oh, okay. yeah. Awesome. We're at Burley's family vacation house on Lake Michigan. 
We're having so much fun. Except for uh, Roberta here, it turns out, sucks at water skiing. Oh my God. So bad. I'm going to divorce you. <laughs> Andy sucks at driving the boat, and I'm going to divorce him probably uh -huh. right now. Well, they're still together. You owe me 20 bucks. Nice. Fade I to black. Like and did you notice there in the kicker, we're actually still playing over the music from the party the night before? Yeah. 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 I thought that was a nice touch. Well, actually, that was a good song. It was a pretty good song. It was a good song. Um, Mark, do you know, did that make it on the Mouse Ride album? I, I don't know, but you know what? We can check because we have it right here. We do have it right here. Mark, I feel like a huge mistake was made in the production of this particular recording. Yeah. Oh, Grandma is not on here. Oh. Now, I did hear that there's a special super deluxe edition of this album coming out mm. that we get a chance to preview. Nice. We're going to push to see if we can get that released and get Oh Grandma on there as a track. I think that's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. I think you should check out our socials to see what I'm talking about. Yeah. Nicely said. Well, Mark, I think that was a really good uh, review of the episode. I think we will take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll talk about some stuff. We'll talk about a few more things and then we'll score this thing and then we'll go home. Yep. That's the plan, man. All right. We'll be right back, everybody. Someday. Whether you first knew them as Alabaster Fart, the Andy Dwyer Experience, Department of Homeland Obscurity, Ninja Dick, Puppy Pendulum, or even Scarecrow Boat, there's no denying that Mouse Rat is one of America's bands. Uh, I mean, favorite bands. And if, like us, you were disappointed in the so-called awesome album and its paltry 16 tracks, hold on to your scrotation marks because we've got some news for you. Hello, this is Ron Swanson. I am happy to report negotiations are back on with the band's label and we are now very close to closing a deal to release the Live from Pawnee exclusive extended version we are calling the Super Deluxe Edition. The Super Deluxe Edition includes all of your favorites, of course. However, our version is more than just the tip and features previously unreleased tracks, including, but not limited to, Oh Grandma, I Fought a Squirrel, Sandwich, Are You Turkey or Ham, November, Drunk Off Our Asses, Wish You Were a Lamp That Would Light Up When You Get Touched, and a Johnny Karate fan favorite, Pick Your Nose. Wow, what a great idea except maybe for that nose-picking thing. We will be sure to keep you posted on livefrompawnee.com and let you know when to run out to your local food and stuff to pick it up. And speaking of nose-picking, we've got something interesting while you wait for the Super Deluxe Edition. Apparently, in conjunction with the once-famous Kids Pop organization, we are happy to announce a special Kids Pop Mouse Rat edition of the awesome album, sung by... Children? <clears throat> um, I am told you will hear your favorite, such as... The Pit. Thousand candles in the wind. Bye, bye, 
Tennis Ball. Sex hair. Good God. I know I've been misbehaving, but my heart never skipped a beat. You got sex hair. You got it from me, girl. Sex hair. It's such a pretty rat's nest of sex hair. Along with many of the other tracks from the album. Holy cow, I really have to start pre-reading these things. <clears throat> Thank you. That is all. All right, everybody, we're back. Well, Mark, you know, we, as we always do, we're going to go through a couple of things here. The first of which would be our deleted scenes. Yep. For those of you who uh, watch the, the DVDs at home like we do, um, there were, gosh, I think I had 11 deleted scenes running almost six minutes. So this one was pretty chock full of deleted scenes, uh, unlike a few of the most recent episodes. Yeah. And and uh, I actually liked a lot of these a lot and was kind of sad that some of them didn't make the the aired episode. Yeah. Well, let's talk through them real quick. I'm curious to know if you think any of them would have maybe we say this during scoring, like would they have had an impact on the episode had they mm. been in? I think that's interesting to consider. But yeah, I mean, they range from things like, you know, where, uh, you know, Leslie brought wine and thought ahead and brought Tom silverware because, you know, she knew he'd forget, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and those assignments that were given out for the dinner party to things like we learned that uh, Andy's brothers are Aaron, Adam, Anthony, Alex and Alan and Albert. Wow. And they're so apparently they get a thing for A's and his mom has an amazing uterus. Um, the other, I think, big deleted scene was where Leslie basically tattles to April's parents trying to get them to intervene and stop the wedding. And, and it kind of backfires because they're pretty supportive, as it turns out. Yeah, it, it's kind of surprising. I, I think that they've seen um, the let's say the worst of what April has decided to bring home as her boyfriend. And, you know, this may be damning with faint praise, actually. But, you know, Andy ranks pretty highly up there. I mean, yeah. I think that they put it he's he's sweet and he loves her. And, you know, what, what else could you want for yeah, your daughter? Yeah. yeah. It's hard to argue with that. Yeah, I agree. So, I mean, especially when you look at some of the previous choices like Oren. Oh, yikes. Left dead birds on the porch like a cat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or the other guy that stole a bowl each time he came over. Uh, I don't know. I don't understand that. Yeah. I, I thought there was two other ones worth mentioning. One is this, you know, I wish it didn't exist, but there's this impromptu bachelor party thing that happens that Tom puts together that's <laughs> really even grosser than some of the stuff that made it in the episode. Tom yeah. at his lowest, maybe. Um, but then there was also a, a scene where we find out that Burley was actually accidentally not invited to this party at his house, oh. which is also the wedding of his bandmate, Andy. Yeah. He was a little pissed at first, but then I think he kind of at least says, hey, man, congratulations. Well, they got to get on stage and play. Yeah. There's no time to be mad. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> but anyway, I recommend if you have the DVDs, check those out. And uh, we'll talk about whether or not any of those would have made a difference. But Mark, as far as tropes, first fun facts and such and goofs, um, I had a couple of each except for goofs. How about you? I agree. I think I had something for all those except for goofs. You know, what's interesting is I did have a goof. I went back to my notes last night. I couldn't find it. Oops. 
it's going to occur to me like tomorrow or Tuesday when I'm taking a shower. That's and, meta. Yeah. And then I'll be, damn it, it's too late. Yeah. So. Oh, well. I'll call Constantine and see if he can squeeze it in then. Yeah. Well, yeah. if we forget it, we can t- say about it, uh, talk about it next there week's episode. There you go. Yeah. There it is. Well, for first, I had three. Okay. Um, one is, I, I think this is the first time we've seen the inside of Burley's house. Yeah. I think that's true. I think that's true. Um, the other one, and so also, you know, first time that April and Andy are married. Well, there's that. Duh. And then I also said, uh, this is pretty lame, but it's the first time that April and Andy's full names are revealed. April, Roberta Ludgate, and Andrew Maxwell Dwyer. Maxwell, I love it. Yelp. Yeah. I, I had that it's just the first wedding on the show. Yeah. Y- yes, it's April and Andy's. Well, no, it's, it's not. Damn it. <laughs> See, you do have a goof. Uh, yeah, but the goof isn't supposed to be mine, Mark. It's Look, supposed to be the one that the, the people on the show make. You do whatever you need to do to flesh <laughs> things out. So what we're referring to, ladies and gentlemen, oh is uh, Ron and Tammy, too. Yeah. If you recall, they, they got, married. got all sorts of drunken stuff and, you know, high on life. Let's all right, say. fine. I'll yeah. revise what I said. It's the first wedding I want to remember. Well, and, it, you know, it's the first real wedding in terms of like we see the yeah. ceremony, like we we see it proper, not just a yeah, drunken flashback for five seconds. It's the first one that's not annulled three days later. How's that? That way. Nicely done. Thank yes. you. Yes, yes, yes. It's also the first time we meet Orin. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. That's a very good Creepy one. Creepy Orin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll yeah. see again for sure in the future. And then, of course, I had our, our middle name, uh, you know, reveal as well, just yeah. like you did. Yeah. How about tropes or uh, fun facts, Mark? I had four tropes, uh, had my my uh, good old standbys of OMG for yep. when Tom becomes the best man. Bing! Open mouth grin. Yep. Um, PBJ uh, for, oh, you know, the, the shirt. And also April doesn't want to give him the invitation. So that's kind of fun. Um, I had the other two were kind of halfway, but I went ahead and said, I said, uh, Queen of the Parks Department. When Leslie kind of takes control and says, everybody's going to the dinner party. Like, you, know, you, you wouldn't yeah. think she could just tell him what to do, but she can tell him what to do. She can tell him what to do. Um, Poor Tom, because there's yeah. the boy sale. He goes anyway. And then the other one was uh, FDR, food-driven Ron, when he gets mad about the veggie loaf and the lack of cake. Oh, yeah. What, That's a good one. What'd you have? Um, I, I did not have a couple of those, but I did have some awkward Ben moments. You know, they kind of take a different shape in this episode because mostly oh, yeah, Ben's, yeah. In, you know, large and in charge. But um, th- there's a few of them that still, I think, count toward the trope for sure. And then um, I also had the punching bag Jerry scenes as well. Nice. Other than my goof, I didn't I didn't clock any real goofs. And uh, I did have a couple of fun facts, though. You know, this is the number 87 Reggie Wayne jersey uh, that we saw April give to Andy as a gift in the episode Christmas Scandal. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's this really cool line that uh, Andy has there about how he's the luckiest guy in the galaxy, Mark. The galaxy. Galaxy. Which one day he will become a guardian, guardian of... of. <laughs> Bum, bum, bum. So I went back and looked, Mark, because of that. And, you know, there's a couple year gap here before they even started filming Guardians. So mm-hmm. I, I, it was unintentional. I think this was an innocent. Uh, yeah. Co-winky dink. A co-winky dink, yep. as the kids say. Yep. Yeah. So pretty big one. Well, I actually had a goof. I don't have any fun facts. Oh, what was your goof? That I don't have any fun facts. <laughs> well, see, well done. And I fell for it. You know what? <laughs> Fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, I'll punch you in the face. Oh, that's such a good saying. Yeah. <laughs> I'm putting that on a shirt. 
All right, Mark, before we move into scores, did you have anything else here? Yeah, actually, I guess you could put this under fun facts. I, this came from that their Wikipedia there, but I thought it was interesting enough. I want to just give it a quick read. Uh, this won't take long. So the cast and crew of Parks and Recreation made a conscious effort not to discuss the April Andy wedding during mm. media interviews with the hopes of keeping it a surprise. However, after the original broadcast of the third season episode, Ron and Tammy Part Two, ah, yeah, and, and we talked about this, NBC yep. ran a commercial advertising, quote, April and Andy's wedding registry on the official Parks and Recreation website. And at this point in the series, Andy and April were separated and they'd not yet reconciled. And so shortly after the episode aired, uh, hit fix television reviewer Alan Sepinwall wrote that the commercial mistakenly used the wrong names and was actually referring to Ron and Tammy's wedding registry. However, after Andy and April's fancy party aired, showrunner Mike Shore admitted the commercial was intended to run with that episode, but ran with Ron and Tammy part two due to an error by NBC employees. And Mike Shore had this very short quote when he he told told everybody uh, in an effort to undo the spoiler, we publicly stated in a number of interviews that NBC had just accidentally gotten the character names wrong and that there was no upcoming April Nandy wedding. We sincerely hope that fans of the show are cool with us gently lying to them in an effort to maintain the surprise nuptials as much as we could. Now, if you'll excuse us, we have to go shoot the season finale surprise Jerry Donna wedding scene, <laughs> which I thought was brilliant. So that is brilliant. So anyway, that's all I had. Look, sometimes a small lie, Mark, doesn't hurt anybody and it's actually intended to help. You're so smart. I agree. Yeah. <clears throat> Wait a minute. What's happening? <laughs> Nothing. Uh, well, Mark, should we jump over to our scores then? Yes. Yes. Uh, I think we should jump over to the scores. Well, Alan... This episode was a true Xbox pancake, if I've ever seen one. I can't disagree. I mean, so far this season, in in my opinion, we've already had two episodes that feel like season finales, Harvest Festival and this one. And the season is only about halfway through. Like, I, I can't remember the last time I've seen a show just going for broke and coming out so absolutely strong like this. Um. So my episode MPV, as I usually do. So this is really hard. There were so many characters that absolutely shone in this episode. You know, I could have picked Leslie or Ron or Ben or Chris or even Donna. But I I think just due to the nature of this episode, my official answer has to be the dynamic duo of Chris Pratt as Andy and uh, Aubrey Plaza as April as co-MVPs. Co-MVPs. That's what I'm going to go through this time. Yeah. That's cheating, but it's fine. Go ahead. <laughs> sour grapes. So a few a few notes. I, I I feel like this episode did something that no other episode to date has done. If you go back and look, uh for the last nine minutes of the episode, so nine out of the 21 minutes, the last nine minutes, it was probably about 90% sweetness and heartfelt moments and maybe 10% funny moments. Not saying there weren't some really funny moments, but it was mainly sweet heartfelt moments and it didn't feel out of place that they did that. So that's, that's remarkable. You know, I was, I was waiting for, as I said this before, I was waiting for the moment when this impromptu house wedding was going to go off the rails, like with a threes company style, uh, hijinks or misunderstanding. And they did the best thing they could have. They simply allowed it to be, which is brilliant. And, and it, and it was good for that. In my experience, as a matter of fact, most event or wedding episodes turn out to be cheesy or over the top or just outright failures that don't meet the hype. Like, so take the office. Okay, this is the other side of the coin. To be fair, the Jim Pam wedding far, far better than most. I thought they did a great job with it. However, I feel like this even outdid that. 
Like, I feel like this was a tremendous success. I love The Office, but this episode was fantastic. Parks and Rec outdid them here. It, it, it wasn't over the top, such funny moments. Uh, it, I mean, it was just the perfect balance and so sweet. Um, as a matter of fact, if I wasn't such a alpha male manly man, I would have found sure. myself tearing up at a couple of the points during the episode. <laughs> don't don't look at me right now. I'm hideous. Um, uh, my, my, Mark, you need a Kleenex? No. I'm fine. As much as I like Rashida Jones, I think, and I like the teaming of her with Donna. I think that it, 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 they're an yeah. effective pair, but I think I'm ready for her character to be a little bit less of a wishy-washy. I want her to be more, hmm. uh, you know, um, I, I feel like a lot of times her character, her storyline is like the weak link of the episode. And I, Rashida Jones is so talented and so funny. I don't mean that as a criticism towards her. I just I, I hope we see more coming from her soon. You know what I mean? I, I do. We'll have to wait with bated breath because I have no idea what's going to happen. <laughs> well played. All right. So the Mark rubric. Bum, bum, bum. Um, this is. A fantastic episode. Base score, five. Okay. Pretty high base. Pretty high base. It's got meme-worthy moments, belly laughs, relationship building, unbelievably sweet moments. It's, it's literally Ann Perkins. This one has it all. Um, <laughs> I'm going to give a whole extra bonus point uh, for the, the, the dynamic duo of uh, the co-MVPs, Chris Pratt and Aubrey Plaza. They did such a good job at this. And really kind of uh, rose above themselves as they typically would be, as I think you pointed out earlier. I'm going to give half a point for the good use of the deep comedic bench. I'm going to give half a point for the nice continuation of building the relationship between Leslie and Ben. And, and that whole arc that, you know, yeah. you say should be an extra story, whatever. But but it, it is significant. And I think it deserves mention. Um, I'm going to give half a point for a very touching and effective montage for the wedding. Very, very sweet. Very, very nice. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give another great use of music. Yes. And, montage. and I'm going to talk about that in just a okay. second. You're exactly right. Um, I'm going to give half a point for the great arc with Leslie, where she goes from frantically trying to stop the wedding to then accepting it and then seeing like embracing it and seeing how yeah. unbelievably sweet the April and Andy are together. I'm going to give half a point for the nice moment between Leslie and Ron after the wedding when they're sitting there having a drink and just kind of talking about you know, Ron's failed marriages and what's it all about. And, you know, it's nice. I'm going to give half a point for the really touching moment where April tells Leslie she loves her and hugs her. Like, that's like thunder coming from her. Are you kidding? And I'm going to give one more half point for Ron pulling his tooth out. Oh, my God. This this may be maybe my favorite cold open, at least to date and maybe ever. And they've had some good ones. They've had some great ones. Oh, this is so, so funny. Um, so you add all that up. I'm I'm sticking my neck out here. This was a good episode. 9.5 Little Sebastians. 9.5. 9.5. So every time, and this is what I wanted to allude to. You, you mentioned this earlier. You talking about the great use of music. Every time I rewatched this episode, I got really strong flashbacks to the sitcom Scrubs. Because mm. like this, another great use of music, another sitcom. great yeah. use of music and another sitcom that handles the balancing act between very funny and very sweet and handles it well. You know what? That's a great point. I don't give Scrubs enough credit. 
So right. I've been a huge fan of Scrubs ever since 2001 when it came out. And in my opinion, it's one of the most enjoyable and best written sitcoms out there. And I, I frequently, if you look like on IMDb or whatever, you frequently mm-hmm. see it classified as a comedy drama, which I think mm. is fitting to describe its its niche in the that way was it a, walks a Bill the line. Lawrence show, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. know what else he does? Mm. Ted Lasso. Wow. You're just going to keep hitting that. Okay. Yes, sir. All right. Well, so just, mm. so back to my thing, which is better. Um, <laughs> no. So, you know what? Fair point. I would watch anything that Bill Lawrence made. So yeah. I will definitely watch that. Um, User. So as I mentioned above, a very large percentage of this episode consisted of heartfelt moments without pure funny and pulled it off like flawlessly. And I think very few sitcoms can do that. And it shows you what a high caliber show this is. That wraps up my score. What you got, Sir Ellen of the round table. Well, a couple things, Mark. So <clears throat> on Scrubs, just real briefly, I, I it's interesting that you bring that up today because one, I hadn't really thought about it in this context, but boy, is it an accurate and uh, and and well-placed mention because it is. It is a great tie-in. I actually just watched a Colin Hay video the other day oh, where he's yeah. actually talking about, uh, you know, uh, basically his music being used used on scrubs oh, yeah. first yeah. and then ultimately in garden state yep. um which again you know just both Zach. those usages with Zach Braff are mm-hmm. just tremendous and you know bill back that up obviously on, on scrubs um but generally that show used a lot of music yes a lot of great i think they've got well, either a two or three part soundtrack oh yeah kind of like guardians of the galaxy does yeah yeah so anyway that's all apropos of nothing but <laughs> except that here it does definitely tie in very well you know overall mark i i've struggled on this episode between wanting to give it a really 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 high score and a slightly less high score um because it's, on a scale of nine to ten where did you rank this <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> um, you know, there were moments where I, I think I've literally probably scratched out my score and written a new score and scratched that score out four, maybe six times. Wow. Because I just went back and forth. And I think depending on how much sleep I got, how much coffee I had and how much you or Constantine made me angry prior to the show. <laughs> um, I could have I could have gone almost any way in between any of those scores. Um, eight and a half was the lowest I ever considered. And, and that was on my darkest of days. Um, you, you know, what would be great here? What's that? Is if you, if you made it like 9.25, because you take some of the heat off of me, because I really want my parking space back. No. Damn it. Okay. Continue. <laughs> Look, Mark, if, if I do that noise, um, what's going to happen <laughs> is <laughs> we're both going to be in bad parking spots. And then Constantine's cousin, Kachekvia. All right. I don't know. I don't know Constantine's cousin from the hole in the wall. Do you? Yeah. His name's Thud. Thud? Yeah. Well, Thud would get my parking space. Yeah, he does. It. He, he has a pogo stick. He doesn't need anything. Then we'd both be walking. I know. So there's no there's no point in that, Mark. All right. Well, you have to start giving me a ride to the office. Fair enough. All right. I, I will pick you up at the auxiliary parking lot. This reminds me of like when Kevin had to walk. <laughs> Some people are not built <laughs> no. for walking. No. 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 But anyway, I... I only mentioned that to make you feel better in terms of, yes. of that, but 8.5 to 9.5, I ran the gamut back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. I think the wheel landed on a 9.0 today. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's still a really good episode. I just think it's in my top five yeah. of all time. Yeah. Um, so uh, this cold open is in my top three of all time. Some days it might be my favorite. Some days it might be number two or three. So, again, I, I think it just really depends on what's influenced me. And 
it is a little bit of what have you done for me lately in terms of what we're looking at. I made one mistake. I looked ahead a little bit mm-hmm. and I think that influenced my score for today. So I got to be really careful. I got to be really careful and, and really just keep it context, contextually tight, I think. Um, but I have zero problems giving this episode a full nine little Sebastians because it's just that good. Well, you had made the point before as well, I think on a prior uh, podcast that – you know, we live in a world of absolutes and uh, yeah. that, that, you know, to to do that, you have to know where your one is mathematically and you have to know where your 10 is. Well, yeah. I think we we kind of had it easy. I mean, no offense to season one. It's still Parks and Rec. Yeah. It's still enjoyable. But I think it was pretty clear that the one was going to occur there. Yeah, I think that's very <laughs> canvassing. Yeah. And so it's but it's a far, far, far more challenging once you get to these season two and beyond episodes, because such of the some of them are so, so good. And I'm, how do you choose your favorite child? I mean, this 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 season being only 16 episodes, I think it's going to make it particularly stand out because it's got so many good episodes yeah and it's got this weird peak and valley thing like you said it feels like we've already had two season finales right and we're five eighths of the way through the, ep- the series and i know there's a couple of good episodes still coming up in season three and that's not even mentioning season four or five right and, and you're you're talking about a season that may very well i can't swear to this but may very well have its quote unquote low points with a 7.5 or 8 and that's it yeah that's about it and the rest is just up yeah, I would agree with that. Yep. I, I think, you know, for me, I, I, I gave Harvest Festival a 9.5. Mm-hmm. Um, I gave this one a 9. And I think the reason I went that way, and it didn't dawn on me until this morning when you were talking about Jim and Pam's wedding. Mm-hmm. And while, while I agree that is a wildly successful wedding episode and one of my favorites of all time for The Office, the one thing that they did there well was they did tease that relationship for a while, right? But not like in a moonlighting, are they going to never get together way to the point that I'm just like done with it. I'm just, I don't care. Right. I mean, I think you can, you can drag it out too long. You can do it just right. And you can maybe do what I think kept me from giving this a 9.5. I don't love the will they won't they thing. I think, like I said, it can be done to death. And yet I kind of wish they had teased this an episode or two longer. Like just a little bit because like surprise um, at the beginning of the episode, we're going to get married and end the episode, we are married. Um, You just have it's compressing a lot into a single episode. I feel like maybe there's some missed opportunity to have ratcheted this up just slightly by teasing it out. Even one more episode. Talk me out of that. Well, you know what? I, I, I don't think I can. I mean, it, if I were going to guess at the best way to and use this. And I still this, love this episode. Oh, no, I know. I know. I mean, it, it, as you said, you, you, you'll you fight someone if they you, yeah. if they say that it doesn't deserve a 9-0. Fight. Yeah, fight, fight, fight. Yeah. Um, and I agree. I, I think that if if I had my druthers, I would have I would agree with you. And I would say I would have expected this to be maybe this make it seven episodes later at the real season finale. Right. That would have been awesome because it, it would have, have teased a little bit more and just yeah. made us kind of go through their journey together. And yeah. Now. And yet it's very April and Andy to do this on a whim. So it's brilliant that way too. But, but I can't be made happy is what I just discovered. No, you're curmudgeonly. But, but I think, 
I, I think I mentioned this in one of the prior episodes, maybe for Harvest Festival, that the reason that it got such a 9.75 <clears throat> high score <laughs> is because all the episodes before, it's the sum of all the episodes yes, that came before. It and it's because they were so well written, it made it pop. It right. Yeah. Now, if this had a little bit more buildup, and I'm referring to this April and Andy and right, them right, getting right. married, if it had, had a little bit more coming before it, to your point, maybe it would have meant a little more. Maybe it would have popped a little more. They didn't do a bad job with it. I still love this episode, but I can't disagree with your point. Yeah. And, and I, I think it's the reason I probably didn't give it the nine and a half or a 10. Um, it just, like you said, the mix of, of sweet and salty, I'm sorry, sweet and funny um, is, is really here. And a lot of sitcoms and sitcom writing rooms could not pull that off to the degree that I think this cast and this writing staff is very successful with it. Absolutely. Um, I mean, it's like take, I think you and I love Seinfeld. Yeah. Can you imagine a Seinfeld episode that, that may be borderline in all seriousness might make you kind of tear up a little bit. There's not a chance in hell. No, no, no. that doesn't mean it's not a great, brilliant show. Right. It can't do this. It can't. Well, the threat of that show is, is definitely cynicism, right? <laughs> right? I think the one thing you could clearly say about Parks and Rec as a series is it is not cynical. Nope. You right? feel good almost after every episode. Yep. And yet I would say as much as I love The Office and will always continue to love it, there's a small thread of cynicism in that show. That yeah. is not present here. I would agree with that. Yeah. So I think to, for it to be true to itself, it did the right things in the right way. I just wish we had a little more time to enjoy this buildup without, you know, without losing the, 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 the climax of it, I guess. I feel like compressing it all into one episode made it just slightly anticlimactic in a weird way. Yeah. Mark, that about does it for this episode. I want to remind everybody that you can find us on the socials out there on Instagram and Twitter and the Facebooks uh, and other Internet sites. I think they just call those collectively the internets, don't they, Mark? That's right. Yeah. So we're out there. Um, you know, support us on Patreon. Give us some feedback through our website. You can even record a message. We may play it here on the show. Um, you can find all of that on livefrompawnee.com. And uh, we would love your feedback. Absolutely. Yeah. We'd love it if you go out on Apple Podcasts and give us a review, especially if it's a good review. And if it's not, then send Mark an email and let him know. Yeah, I take the bad reviews. Yeah, yeah. Mark, he's got a, a file for those. <laughs> it's getting full. It's getting full. All right, everybody. Well, that about does it. We'll be back next week with episode 3.10, Soulmates. And uh, I think that's got another uh, fun little dating scenario in it that we'll, uh, we'll look forward to talking to you about next week. Oh, yeah. I can't wait. It's going to be good. All right, everybody. Until next week, we'll see you then. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Live from Pawnee is a copyrighted production of the creators. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Original music was created and performed by Aaron Emerson of Emerson Studios. Clips are used under fair use doctrine for the purpose of commentary and parody. Please see our website at livefrompawnee.com for more details or to contact us. Contact us.